Welcome to Apply Filters, the podcast all about WordPress development. Now, here's your hosts, Pippin Williamson and Brad Tunar. Welcome back to Apply Filters, episode 60. Today, Brad and I are going to go over some of our recent updates, but then more importantly, we want to talk about the problem of database merging. So we're going to cover that in depth. First, this episode is sponsored by Gravity Flow, an advanced add-on for Gravity Forms that allows you to automate your business processes, whether you need to set up workflows for purchase orders, job applications, admission forms, project initiations, vacation requests, or any other kind of workflow that involves advanced feedback loops, approvals, or anything like that. Gravity Flow allows you to do this easily by leveraging the power of Gravity Forms. You can find out more at gravityflow.io. And once again, thanks very much for sponsoring this episode. Thank you, for sure. All right, Brad, you want to start us off by telling us a little bit about what you guys have been up to in the last couple of weeks? Yes. Uh, so, well, in the last episode, I mentioned that MigrateDB Pro 1.6 would be released uh, when that episode was published, but it actually wasn't because we ran into a kind of last minute bug. It was a scaling bug. So when uh, you would try to migrate with like, let's say 10,000 plus media files. So if you had 10,000 attachments plus in your, in your media library, if you tried to migrate a site with that many attachments, it would add them all to the, the DOM and your browser would start to get either really slow or crash depending on how much, how powerful your laptop <laughs> is. Uh, so that was a problem. Uh, so we had to... Just, just, uh, a, just a minor problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so we had to to uh, not add all of the attachments as... Yeah, and we're talking to just, just about adding like list items, right? Like just the, the file name to the UI, but 10,000 file names, right? Yeah, we stopped doing that. So now we I think we add like 100, and then we just have a note at the bottom that the rest are hidden. So that's that's done, and we, we ended up uh, releasing uh, that version on uh, April 25th instead. So. I got to say, the new UI is pretty. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. The progress bars, the way that it shows the progress for each individual table. Got to say, I wish that I had a reason to use it right now because <laughs> I want to play with it. We've gotten lots of great feedback on it. Interestingly enough, our renewals have spiked because of it. And I looked at last year's major release, version 1.5, and there was no spike in renewals. So I think I think people like, you know, the shiny people new. People like pretty things. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to try to try to do that uh, in future versions more often. This is the first kind of UI update since we launched three years ago, right? So we're going to try to try to do uh, some UI refreshes. A bit crazy that it's been uh, three years. Yeah, I know, right? Wow. It's crazy. Uh, what else? Uh, we've been working on the next version of WP Offload S3. That version is going to be a big change to the way we store URLs in the content. So right now, like when you insert an image, for example, into content, it adds the S3 or CloudFront or CDN URL in there. And then say you uh, uninstalled our plugin. Well, the, those URLs would still be in there, right? So you would have uh, URLs to S3 or CloudFront or wherever. So what we've decided, and we were kind of inspired by the responsive images. 
addition to WordPress and the way they filter the content to add the SRC set stuff. We were inspired by that and, and just decided, why don't we do that? Why don't we just filter the content and replace the URLs uh, when the page is generated rather than insert them directly into the content? So that's going to be a big, a big change. But so, so, so that means you're doing it all on the fly as I'll, opposed to you weren't previously? Exactly, exactly. So, so we're going to be replacing the URLs on the fly rather than... Now, does that mean that you're, you're only replacing the URLs or you're also handling the transmission of the file to S3? Oh, yeah, we're, we're doing both for sure. Well, but is the transmission to S3, is that when the image is first uploaded or when the image is rendered on the page? It's when it's first uploaded. So when you uh, drag and drop a file into WordPress, that when it uploads to your server and then uploads it to S3, like right, right after. So that's how, how that works. It's kind of like a little relay. So one, I guess the reason we're doing this is because when you change a setting, like one of the settings, maybe you change the URL structure or something, uh, it actually has to do a uh, find and replace in the background. It just takes forever to do that. But with doing this on the fly, you change that setting, it's instant, right? It just anything else that's generated on the fly, it'll it'll be the, the new setting, right? So the thing we ran into uh, just recently is, is caching. There's actually a really expensive query that we have to run. So you can imagine when you're doing this on the fly, so you're going through the content, you're identifying a local URL that is referencing an image, and then you have to search for that image path in the database, right? So we're, so we're hitting the post meta table, searching for that string, that kind of the file path string. Well, you know, Pippin, that querying <laughs> full text on the post meta table is bad news, right? What do you mean? It's like the fastest query there is. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, no, bad news for sure. Yeah. So what we decided is to cache that. This week, we kind of reassessed it. We were going to cache all the URLs and like what like S3 URL that it maps to. But then we decide, oh, but then we have to like purge that cache whenever the settings are updated or, you know, and it gets real messy. So we decided just to cache it like kind of at the lower level where where the select is happening to to find the ID for that. Because um, the chances are that the ID is going to change is almost nil, right? Right. And we're not caching it um, in a typical sense. Like we're not using the, the WordPress object cache. We're just going to cache it in, I believe, a transient or, oh, no, that's not true. That's, that was one of the ideas. But we, what we decided is to attach like a cache uh, meta, just a piece of metadata to the post itself. So we can just look that up and we can find the URL in that, in that cache array. So it should be pretty performant and just avoid having to run those queries more than once ever. That's kind of one of the things we've been working on. Great. What else? Uh, we've been reorganizing our site's theme. So the theme's kind of just been thrown together when we first launched. We were in startup mode. So we were just like, ah, you know, it, was just <laughs> it wasn't pretty. Uh, and we've refined it over time. But there was just a ton of logic code in the theme itself. 
This sounds and, very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you always neglect. I'm sure a lot of other people can relate to this as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not your site is not something you release, right? So you can you can neglect it. You can do as many hacks as you want. No one will ever see them besides you and your team. So, so it tends to be like the the biggest patchwork of things. Absolutely. Yeah. We just recently did the exact same thing. We we uh, launched a new version of the EDD site about a month ago now. Part of that project was scrapping everything and starting from scratch to get everything organized, get get our CSS in order, et cetera. And uh, that was a big project. Yeah, yeah. It, it's not too bad. It hasn't been too bad so far. So what we decided to do, well, first of all, one of the goals with the redesign is to be able to roll back to the old design instantly if we you know, are having trouble with the new theme for some reason. The idea is to create two themes, but to do that, we don't want to duplicate all the code that's that's running the theme. So we've moved it to we thought about moving to a plugin, but that's a little dangerous because plugins can be de- deactivated intentionally or unintentionally. So what we decided is move it to an MU plugins, which they can't be deactivated. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to have most of our code in MU plugin, and then we'll have two themes that use that code, and seems to be the right way forward, but uh, time will tell. <laughs> and uh, we're hiring another developer. That's the the other thing uh, we're doing. We actually have someone on trial right now, actually. Very cool. Yeah. You're so, uh, hiring almost constantly, it seems. Yeah, it takes us a long time to hire someone, though, so it's, it's kind True. of an illusion. <laughs> yeah. So even if you're hiring this week and you're hiring three weeks doesn't mean that you added a new person between those times. Exactly. It means that we're still looking. <laughs> yep. Yeah. What about you? What have you been up to? Uh, well, the last week I was in San Diego for WordCamp San Diego. Uh, that was this last weekend. And that was a great time. Uh, the organizers there did a tremendous job, same as last year. Uh, it's great location, awesome venue, really good selection of, of speakers and really good attendee list. Um, so that was a good time. I was able to spend a few extra days out there. One of my team is out there, as well as several teams that we've done some work with, third-party developers. And so it was nice to go out and get some face-to-face time with them. Right. Were you one of the uh, the speakers? or? Yes. I did a session on Ask Me Anything About Plugins. So it was kind of an open QA session where I gave a quick background and and told a little bit about what what I do, what I've worked on, and then open it up for any que- questions about anything related to plugins from the audience. Uh, That's so cool. A, did you have a lot of fun? Did you have some questions like primed to just to get things rolling? Because I found I found that in the past uh, QA sessions, sometimes like you, you open up the floor and it's just like crickets, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> I had talked to the organizers and said, "Hey, I want to prepare for this and make sure that like." If we get crickets, let's make sure that there's somebody there to ask some questions. And so I had a few people that I knew were were in the audience prepared to ask something if no one piped up. But we actually didn't have any trouble at all getting questions. We had questions immediately, and we probably could have gone significantly over our time slot. Were they mostly about development or business? or what, what There was uh, development questions, there were business questions, and there were user questions. Right. So we had a nice range of everything. Right. Did you feel you got more of one than the others or? Maybe more business questions related to my own experience, my, my personal history with, with plugin developments and people asking, asking about some of that history or like how we got from A to B and business development questions, really. Those were probably, I think, 
the most common. Um, beyond that, we are just about done with Affiliate WP 1.8, which is uh, an update we've been working on for quite some time now. Uh, it's getting close to being done, and we're hoping for a release next week. Uh, Restricted Content Pro got it version 2.5.3 shipped this morning. That fixed a slew of both minor and important bugs. There was a couple important bugs related to proration and multiple subscription levels, erroneous multiple subscription levels. For example, somebody could subscribe and their previous subscription is supposed to be canceled in the merchant processor, but it was left active. So then they have one subscription on the site, but they have two in the, in the merchant account. A couple of bugs like that. And then we also just pushed out an update to our Zapier integration for easy digital downloads that adds a couple of new triggers for things like when a customer account is updated or when a file is downloaded and also added a slew of new triggers for our recurring payments plugin. So now, for example, there's there are triggers for zaps, uh, such as when a subscription is created, a subscription expires, it's canceled, it's marked as completed, it is marked as failing, etc. Uh, so there's a a lot of automation tasks people could now do that are running a subscription site through EDD recurring payments. Uh, for example, you could sync all of your subscriptions to a Google Doc, or every time a subscription is renewed, uh, do some kind of action. Or if a maybe a subscription is marked as failing, trigger a custom workflow to uh, set up a follow-up to that customer. Uh, lots of different things that you can do. That was a fun little update that we got out, pushed out today. Zapier is just so powerful. It can. Oh man, it's so good. Yeah. This morning we are actually using it, setting up a new internal workflow for us. We're trying to get uh, a little bit more active with sending out swag to high value customers. And, and so we've set up an automated workflow now that anytime a customer passes a certain threshold that we add them into a, an internal Trello board for sending them a thank you, basically. And we're using Zapier for that, as well as our, our the new update that we pushed out for EDD, the, the Zapier integration. Amazingly powerful what you can do with Zapier. So cool. All right. Let's jump into the meat of this. So we're sure. going to talk about database merging. Oh, let's and, before we do that, oh, actually, there's a little follow-up on last week's episode uh, about the full screen UIs thing. I, so I mentioned that, uh, you know, I'd love to see a plugin be more like the customizer and just take over the entire <laughs> dashboard of WordPress and just have kind of a back button to get out of it. And apparently there are quite a few plugins doing that now. Uh, people commented on our podcast episode and I think I got a couple tweets as well. But anyway, there's a couple. So Coming Soon Pro uh, does this and the, the new WP Forms, Form Builder does this. And con, I don't know how to say this, Kanban or Kanban. I don't know. For Kanban, 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 okay. <laughs> Kanban for WordPress. That, that uh, does it as well. So it's, there's definitely lots of plugins out there doing this now, which is cool to see. So we want to talk about the database merging problem. Uh, so this issue is basically when you have two databases and you need to merge them together in some way or other. Mostly, this is going to be me asking Brad some questions and Brad telling us about something that he's been working on. You want to start by giving a little bit more of an overview about the problem of database merging. Yeah, so I'll just take you through like an example. So let's say, let's say you're working on a new client site uh, and the client has an existing WordPress site that's live. 
And so what do you do? You, you make a copy of it, copy the files, copy the database, put them on your local machine, set up a dev environment and start coding away and updating the data in that database, in that local database. Well, while you're updating the data in that local database, the data in the live database is also changing. So you're changing data in local, the data is changing on live. And then at some point, you're like, okay, now I got to get this local database up to the live site, but I can't overwrite the live site because then I'll blow away all the changes that have been happening up there. So therein lies the problem. <laughs> You've got to somehow like, you know, get the changes from your local database up to the live database, with, database without overwriting it. And I'll tell you, this is a problem that is so much more problematic when you step into the world of e-commerce. So just to give a quick example, imagine you have a store and then you have a, a development version of that store. And so when you start your development, you, you sync everything over. And then, and let, let's just say you're going to do this. You're like, you have an hour period where you're going to make some changes on your development server and you're going to deploy them to live. And you need to deploy those database changes as well. Okay, so what you need to do is you need to be able to make all those changes on the staging server and then deploy them to live. However, in that time, let's say it's an hour or two hours or 24 hours, doesn't matter, you still have orders processing. It's especially a problem for very, very active stores. And so you now have orders that are processed on the live server that are not on the staging server. And so it is impossible then to merge that database over or not necessarily impossible, but very, very difficult. And as a store, you don't want to take your live site down for two to 24 hours in order to make those changes. Yeah, exactly. So, well, first of all, what everybody, when everyone gets to this point, <laughs> they, they realize crap. And then they start searching Google for like some kind of magic database merging tool that will just like, you can just give it. Please let me click a button and be done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there is no solution. That, well, first of all, that if you get into that situation and didn't see it coming, very likely you're just in big trouble. Because even if a tool like that did exist, it would still need the snapshot of your local or the snapshot of the database when you moved it to local so that it could compare that with your current local database and determine the changes, right? Because you have two databases that have completely diverged, it doesn't have like the, the, the snapshot of when you did that initial migration. So it, it has no reference point. So that's a problem. <laughs> it, when people get into that situation, they usually just start over and just start making the changes again, like over, you know, like on the live site. Guilty. Yeah. So it's, it's bad, bad news. But generally, people don't get into that situation again, or they might do it a few times and then they figure a way around it. So the way around it that most people use is they just keep a notepad, like either a digital one or one beside their laptop, and they just write down what they do. So like, for example, if I go in and change, uh, or maybe I add a bunch of taxes to the e-commerce system, right, tax rates, so that I can test them locally and do some development around them. Well, that has to be done again once uh, the site's deployed. So, so I'll just write down like a note that says, add taxes. <laughs> well, here, I've got another example for you. And, and like, this is one that we had recently. So we launched a new version of the Easy Digital Downloads website about a month ago. And with that change, we rebuilt a whole bunch of different pages. We used different short codes, used different template files, et cetera. So we had them all on staging. 
but we had to make notes of every single page that needed to change because we weren't going to be deploying the database from state into live. We were going to deploy the code, but not the database. Exactly. Oh, that's very interesting how you guys are currently doing it right now. So that's, that's really we're, we're doing it the, the easy, lazy way. <laughs> <laughs> the way that makes, I mean, the way that works, right? Like the, the, way, the way that works. The way that yeah. works. Yeah. yeah. So, so the other way of doing it uh, would be to script everything. So like for in your example, you could do a WP insert post or WP update post or whatever, and actually have a script that adds the content to that page so that you could just run that script at deployment time. And it would just kind of add all that content or update all that content on your live site. So in kind of one, one shot. The big advantage to doing that, I mean, that is that takes a lot of effort, right, to go through and script everything. But the big advantage is that you can test your deployment. So, for example, what you could do is you could replace your staging site with the live site, with the current live site, and then apply that script to the staging site and then test it and then test that staging site to make sure, you know, all of the, the scripts changes have been applied properly and that the site's working and all that stuff. And, and of course, you could continue, you could do that multiple times before you actually deploy to live so that you, you've tested your deployment a bunch of times before uh, you actually do it to the live site. That's what a lot of people do. But like I said, that's a lot of work <laughs> to, to script things, especially if it's something like a plugin setting, like if you're updating a plugin setting, plugins store data, everyone does it differently pretty much, right? Like some might store an option for each like setting or some just stick all the settings into like one option as a serialized uh, array. So you have to, like if you're gonna script that, you're gonna have to figure out how the plugin is storing the, its data and then script, like emulate that essentially. That's why people don't generally do it because it's a lot of work. Have you ever scripted, done any scripting for deployments before? Or? Not related to the database. <laughs> right. No, I just, I'm almost, I've always kind of just avoided those. One of the other problems that comes up uh, really frequently is, let's say that your, your staging site, it's not just out of sync with live in terms of maybe new orders or new blog posts that have been written. It's not something I've, I've ever really tried. It's, it's a problem that I've run into numerous times and wished I had a better way to do it, but not a challenge I've ever decided to undertake. Well, speaking of better ways to do it. <laughs> All right, let's hear about this. So we've, we've been I working. That you've been working on something and yeah. can, you, can you share some previews with us? Yeah, so we've been working on this solution and we haven't really been keeping it secret. Uh, we've tweeted a little bit about it. I think I mentioned it in a few blog posts. We haven't been super upfront about it, but but we haven't been keeping a secret either. Uh, it's called DataHawk, datahawk.io. You can go there now and there's a landing page where you can sign up. Just add your email address to our list and you'll get news about it. Here's the thing. It's the solution to this problem we were just discussing. So what you do is you install our WordPress plugin on your local site and on your live site, both. Then as you're making changes locally, it's going to save those changes, basically record those changes to our cloud app. 
And then the cloud app basically allows you to pull those changes to the live site and apply them to the live site. And that's pretty much it. That's, I mean, that's it from a high level, very simplistic okay. view. So I have a few questions for you about it. Sure. Uh, first, I mean, that sounds awesome. Maybe I should go through the flow, the, the, the development flow that we're trying to get people to do. So we're, let's do it. So we're trying to emulate the, what I just told you about the scripting. So the advantage with scripting is that you can contest your deployments over and over again. So what we're thinking, develop, the ideal flow for developers would be, so you copy down the live site to your local, replacing local, right? To do some development, the changes are recorded up to our app. And then at a certain point, you're like, oh, well, tons of changes have happened to the live site in the meantime, but I'd really like those in my development environment. So what you do is you just replace your local with live again, but then you can apply the changes from our app, from our cloud app. You can pull those changes down and apply them to your local dev environment and basically keep going where you, where you, you were, but with the live changes in place as well. And another thing that happens there also is uh, it, it detects any conflicts and allows you to resolve those. And what we'd want is we want you to keep doing this, right? We want you to keep, you know, refreshing your local database and applying the changes to it and basically testing that deployment over and over again. So then when it comes time to pull those changes into the live site, you've done it a bunch of times already. So you should have no, you shouldn't feel squeamish about it at all. It should be just, you know, another day at the office, right? <laughs> Instead of uh, another, you know, 3 a.m. at the office. <laughs> so that's, that's kind of the, what I'm hoping developers uh, will adopt, that kind of flow. That's, yeah, that's stellar. So if I can, I've got a couple technical questions for you yes. on how, it's, how it works. First of all, will you be able to pick and choose changes or is it all or nothing? Right now, we don't have that ability, but it, we've already mapped it all out. So it will, I think we decided that it will be in the first public release, but it may not be in the first public beta. It's on the list. Uh, it's tricky because of dependencies. So what we're doing is recording every query and parsing each query, parsing the data that's in those queries and figuring out the relationship between each query. <laughs> Let's say you deselect one query that you don't want to deploy. You say, ah, I don't want that one. So you deselect it. Well, if there's any uh, child data associated with that, for example, inserts into post meta. So say you deselect, I don't want this post inserted anymore. So you deselect it. Well, we have to actually deselect all the post meta as well, otherwise, you just end up with a bunch of junk in your right. in your database. Little so it's actually rows. Yeah, so it's actually a bit tricky. So which which is why we we haven't done it for uh, the MVP, uh, but uh, or private. I guess private betas should should be calling a private beta. Most people can don't you, know it. Can you tell me a bit about how you're actually tracking changes to the database? For example, tracking changes to any of the standard WordPress tables is relatively simple whether it's through the internal APIs or through the database class itself. What about plugins that use custom tables or things like that? Have you done the tracking in a way that you can identify changes at any part of the database? Yeah, so what we're doing is we're recording 
queries. So at the w, in the WPDB class, there's a there's a hook in there that uh, you basically you can capture any query that goes through WordPress. So we use that to capture, make sure that we capture everything that goes into the database from WordPress. That being said, if some plugin is using PHP's MySQL functions directly for some reason, too bad. Well, yeah, too bad. That's right. We're we can't cover that. Sorry, <laughs> but right. that's a very strange uh, case, though. I'll have to say, but so so that's what we're doing. We're recording everything. So right now in the private beta, we've decided just to limit things to the core tables, just because we're trying to get this thing working. <laughs> But in the future, we've made it flexible enough so that we can feed the app uh, data, so schema data. So one of the problems with the WordPress database is that there is no relationship information in the database itself, right? So there is no, there's no way to tell that the user underscore ID column in the post meta table or the user meta table actually it relates to the ID table in the users table, right? There is no, I mean, we know that because just looking at it, it makes sense, right? But there is no data in the database that says that. There is no relational data. So unfortunately we have to map that in PHP. We have to say, you know, uh, user meta table column user ID actually maps to the users table ID column, right? We have to put that in an associative array. Uh, in PHP. Um, so what the plan is, is to do that for every custom table. And the reason we can do that is because it's an app and everyone is, is putting data into it. So when enough people put the same data schema in, we can say that's, that's a common schema. Let's, let's approve that. And then in the future, it's just approved for everyone. We're also going to add the ability to add your own schema. So if you've added a custom table or a custom set of tables, you can define the relationships between those tables, cool. provide those to our app, and then our app knows what's going on. So I like that you're crowdsourcing data schemas. Yeah, yeah. The, the, we When we first set out to do this, to tackle this problem, we really weren't thinking of making a cloud app. The more we talked about it, I think Gilbert brought it up early on about making it a cloud app. And I think I've just dismissed it, of course. <laughs> I thought of probably silly idea. And then, of course, I just thought about it some more and, and I started to see all the opportunities where we could like do really cool things if this, was, this thing was a cloud app. For example, one of the things I wanted to do is allow teams of developers to work on the same deployment. So like if, if you and I were working on the same deployment, we could push our changes up to the cloud and like say if you change the title of a page and to something, and then I also change it, but I change it to something different, the cloud app will know that and it will alert us like, whoa, you guys have a conflict. You both changed this thing. Like, whose do you want when you deploy? Who's do you? GitHub-esque merge conflicts. <laughs> yes, exactly. And, That's cool. And then, it provide, and then it will provide an interface for choosing which one you want to use on deployment. And it, it actually has conflict detection for the live site as well. So that this, is, this actually works right now. So if I edit something on my local dev environment, so say I change the title of a page, 
and someone changes the title of that same page on the live site, well, when I go to deploy to my local, it'll say, oh, hang on, you've, you've changed this title, but someone also changes something different. Which one do you want to use at deployment time, right? And this avoids the obvious uh, problem with me changing things locally and then overwriting the client's changes when, when they deploy or when I deploy the site and them getting very angry about that. Obviously, a, a title change of a page, that's not a big deal. But let's say I changed the price of something when I was testing something and, <laughs> and, and they changed it to something else or, or something like that. And, and that would be probably much worse, right? That's kind of the idea. Uh, it's been very challenging. Probably the biggest challenge was the, the IDs, the ID conflict thing. So do you, do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? I think so. Go ahead. Yeah. Run through so let's say there's so the live site uh, adds, has added a bunch of posts since I've created my local site, right? And then I've added maybe one post, let's say. Well, the ID of that post locally, right? Let's say it's 33. Well, there's already an ID of 33 up on the live site. So I can't use that 33 when I deploy. So the, the app actually manages all of that. It stores that change, and then when it goes to deploy, it'll create a new ID, but it also um, change the ID of any records that use that ID. For example, let's say it's an attachment, right? And the attachment is attached to a post. Uh, that's probably a bad example. <laughs> what would be a good example? I can give that? you an e-commerce example, because it's one that we see in EDD a lot. Sure. Um, and this is assuming that the e-commerce data is stored in well, in this case, it is stored in post meta and posts, but it could be custom tables and the same issue would still apply. Let's say that you have a purchase record and you have products. You need to make sure that if you, like if you sync, if you sync the database and let's say that you have an order ID of 575 and you have a product ID of 600. So that 600 product ID is stored on that purchase record. Well, what if when moving between this like live, live and development site, the product ID changes? So if it was originally um, some number, it has to not only be updated in the product table, but also any order record that contains that ID in order right. to maintain the relationship. Yeah, that that problem was huge. And that was uh, something that we actually ran into recently because we, uh, well, we actually, we see it a lot. We see people want to migrate order data or product data from one site to another site. And in the extreme cases, which is actually not very extreme because it's pretty common, people want to move purchase records, products, license keys, customers, subscriptions, et cetera, from one site to another. Most of the time, it's actually moving them from one site and putting them into another existing site. It's not just cloning a site or anything. And that is really, really tricky, maintaining all of those data relationships uh, because of the ID problems. We did it ourselves. We moved uh, my Restricted Content Pro plugin. It used to be sold on pippinsplugins.com. Now it's sold on restrictedcontentpro.com. Well, when we made that, that move, we wanted to extract all of the purchase data from the Pippins plugin site and put it onto the new site. Bringing over purchase records, license keys, customers, download logs, everything, and making sure that those relationships stay is tricky. We actually ended up writing a custom CLI command to do it. 
so that it would it would pull a record out, it would map all of the IDs, and then it'd be able to put them back in. And each time it created one, it would go through and say, okay, now I need to update this ID to this because this is what the new one is. It was pretty extensive. I mean, it works, but it's not a simple cut and paste. No, not at all. I think we're about a few weeks away from a private beta. So yeah, if, if you're interested in trying the beta, just go join our mailing list, datahawk.io. And uh, yeah, I'll send out an update soon enough with uh, anyone that wants to try it out. And we'll be, obviously, uh, we're going to be sending out invites. It's not going to just, we're just going to open the doors and let, open the floodgates, let everyone in because of scaling issues, <laughs> right? We, we have, we're still early on. We've just got this on one server, right? So we can't accommodate like a ton of people at once. Right. So, yeah. Do you have anything that you can share in terms of potential pricing for it? Or is that still either private or undecided? Completely undecided. I've got some ideas, but they're really, it's just really early days for that yet. One thing that I'm pretty sure about, though, is that people who sign up for DataHawk will get a license for Migrate TV Pro as well. And the reason that is, is because they both work really well together. It just makes sense for people to, to kind of get both uh, when they sign up for DataHawk. Yeah, that makes sense. Or like as a package. Yeah, kind of like a package deal. I think, yeah, I don't think it's going to cost any less or any more. Uh, we'll just we'll just include it. Mm -hmm. um, well, you know, one of the cool uh, ways that like they work together is let's say that I set up a new live site and then, okay, we launch. Now I want to convert, I want to make a new development server for every all future development. So I go ahead and use WP Migrate DB Pro. I pull everything over and then I continue to work from there and off we go. It also like, so DataHawk has settings and stuff in the database, right? In WordPress database. So Migrate DB Pro is aware of that. So it ignores all that stuff. So it won't overwrite your local, your local databases settings when, when you do a poll. Um, so that's one of the big reasons we want people to use Migrate TV Pro because if they just do an export through, you know, PHP, MindMan or, or the command line, they're going to have all that data, like all the, all the settings from DataHawk that's sitting on the live site and they'll basically blow all their local data away. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. Yeah. So it's better. I mean, we're, we're still going to accommodate that situation, but it's definitely better if they use uh, Migrate TV Pro. So that's the, cool. that's the plan. Is there for anybody who's listening that wants to follow up with any questions, if they're interested in not just like maybe following up with the beta, but if they have questions they can ask you before further announcements, is there a best way for people to get in touch with you or, should, uh, or just be patient? <laughs> that for sure. I'm planning to put out a blog post and send out an emails very soon. Uh, so I'd say just sign up to the mailing list. It won't be long before you get an email in your inbox about it. And then, and then you can just reply to that email and ask any questions you want. I mean, everyone's always welcome to hit me up on Twitter at Brad T. Uh, we've got an email address too. So nest, uh, N-E-S-T at datahawk.io if you want to reach out reach out to us about you know if you have any questions about it and uh, whatever we can comment in the show notes too uh, on on applyfilters.fm that works too yeah. well very cool that's um a very exciting project i know that 
and and as a product and a service for for everybody else, it's something that assuming it works well, which knowing your guys' track record probably will, solves a huge problem. So I can, I know that I can speak for myself and probably many others when say I'm I'm pretty excited. Yeah, man, we're we're very excited about it, and uh, yeah, we just can't wait to get people uh, trying it out and uh, kicking the tires. So well, awesome. Well, hopefully time. here in uh, a few more weeks, a few episodes, we'll be able to talk a little bit more about it maybe after i've played with it a little bit after it's up and available yeah. i'm looking forward to it for sure man sounds well, good should we wrap up here let's wrap it up another shout out to our sponsors uh, gravity flow gravityflow.io check it out talk to you next time Great. thanks everybody